0: Just delighted to be with you here today, and uh, my prayer is that you will be encouraged and uh, perhaps inspired and, and maybe even expanded, uh, your mind expanded with some of the things that uh, I've been asked to share with you. Just want to pick that story up a little bit about the Kuwait deal. You know, we came back, and uh, actually in Kuwait, the American Embassy had visited my office. I was the senior pastor there, and uh, it was a rough time in Kuwait. I'd actually had a death threat and uh, the American Embassy sat down with me and said, uh, look, we know this has happened. This is a very real thing. We know you have Americans on your staff. Uh, you need to get out. Fast forward, we did. First church we came to was Robin Wesley. We sat right back there on the back row, and we were just here safe, uh, no threats. You were just worshiping the Lord, and Pastor Bert was preaching great messages. And uh, for several weeks, when we could get here, tears just streamed down our faces, and we just experienced the Lord's healing right among you, right with you. And um, so I, I get to say publicly thank you. Thank you for being the church. Thank you for being here and receiving us. I've enjoyed meeting with uh, your pastors We have enjoyed uh, Dusty's ministry over the summers up at Bon Echo Provincial Park. We live just in the Cloyne area, and uh, we're just so grateful for the ministry of Roblin, so grateful for your pastors and your leaders. And uh, so we we just want to start today and say thank you. I've been asked to share a little bit about what we do, so what I'd like to do over the next uh, little few moments is uh, weave testimonies, ministry testimonies, together with Scripture, and uh, give you a missionary challenge at the conclusion of the uh, message today. One of the things we're so grateful for with Roblin is that uh, you've been thinking outside your church walls, and uh, now you've got this church plant going on south of us here, and it's just been delightful to follow that and watch what God has been doing. We've been very grateful. Let's, uh, let me begin by simply defining what an international church is. An international church is, is a gathering of God's people from multiple denominations, from numerous nationalities, in one place, to worship God, to learn about God, and then tell others about God. Does that make sense? Somebody say amen? Amen. And these churches exist because the world is, uh, is the G word now. The world is globalized. In fact, in fact, there are about one billion people that no longer live wherever they came from, and they are constantly on the move. So imagine that. One in eight people always on the move. Do you know now that only in the last couple of years... More people live in large cities. No offense intended, I don't mean Belleville or Kingston. We're talking Calgary-sized cities. More than half of the world's population lives in cities that size. And in this globalized world, there are people traveling all the time. And instead of them colliding in these large cities, God has birthed, and is strengthening these international churches wherever they exist around the planet to stop the collisions of people and begin the collection of people so that they can meet Christ as Savior, so that they can know the hope that we've sung about this morning. And these international churches happen, and they are, they exist in places all over the globe that have, if you would allow me to say, already experienced some of the trauma that we are experiencing now. These churches have existed. We were in the country of Indonesia for 11 years where churches at one time were being bombed in the Christmas season. Our own international church there, around the Christmas season, we had to hire policemen and put them at the doors so they could search people when they came into the outside auditorium to make sure they were safe places. I share this with you and the Kuwait story to simply say that, guess what? The church moves on. Now, somebody should say amen for that. The church moves on. And as, as we cope with some of the overseas issues and crises that are now perhaps for the first time in our lives in our country, Canada, We, we just want to tell you confidently from the word of God and our experience, the church moves on. And in fact, brothers and sisters, today is not so much about us and staying safe. It is about trying to figure out where can we give the hope of Christ to people that desperately need it. Let me get a show of hands on this one. How many of you know that out there, you are the courageous ones, how many of you know that out there, there are some very frightened people now? We, 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 Debbie and I had dinner on Thursday night with some pre-believers, and uh, this dear friend was just kind of going on and on and on about her fear, and she got into this discussion about soap, and finally I just gently interrupted and I said, dear friend, we are not soap specialists. We are soul specialists. Could we talk to you about your soul? There was one of those long, pregnant pauses, but her ears were open, and we talked with our dear friend about the Prince of Peace. Just this morning, I, I, I knew another man that was, you know, would have been uh, a little tense, and on the way down, driving south on 41, I had a text message back and forth with him, just checking in. You know what he said to me on the text? Thanks for checking in. There's all kinds of things that we can do now as the church, as some of these, I'm going to say missionary crises, have now come to Canada. And I want to encourage you. you know, Roblin will stay safe, and your church is doing all of the right things, but let's, let's think about the other guy during this. And would you take, perhaps, this message of hope today back to other believers that that need to just be encouraged? In Kuwait, when the ruling sheikh said on a Tuesday, there'll be no more church in the villas on Friday, my staff had to move 2,000 people from 10 different villas and find places for them to worship. That was a different kind of a crisis. So we got our phones out, and people met on FaceTime. Over there, it's more WhatsApp than FaceTime. But the church will go on. And eventually, they, they, you know, when time passed, the church got together. So I just want to encourage you with some of those stories that are over there and, and let you know that the church goes on. The Bible says so. Uh, There's lots of historic experiences that tell us the same. So may the Lord bless you as we all figure this thing out uh, this week and in the weeks to come. How many of you could say amen to the simple statement, God is in charge? He is. Pastor Burke quoted it. I want to say it again. When Joseph said to his brothers, what you intended for harm, God turned to good. That wasn't just one brother talking to his other brothers. It is a statement of God's sovereignty. And he's in charge. He knows what's going on. The church will go on. And we will be okay. Now, that was kind of its own sermon all of itself. So where do we go now? (laughs) I'm here to talk to you about the international church. So I I, I defined it for you, and I, and I I explained it for you. Um, you know, we, we've had the privilege, Debbie and I, of literally preaching and singing in a congregation. Now imagine this, multi-denominational, multinational, where there is every kind of Protestant you could possibly think of. Just ponder that for a moment. How do Baptists worship with Pentecostals? How do Presbyterians worship with Wesleyans? How's all that work? Every Protestant you can think of, and then Catholics, throw them in. All the Roman Catholics, just there. Now, how about this? We've been in congregations where Muslims have come to check out the scene. They're sitting at the back, like those backseat guys over there. With Jews. That's the International Church. It is amazing. It is amazing to open the Word of God... And carefully talk about the scriptures, about Jesus, and sometimes you say Isa al-Masi, because that's his name in the Muslim in, in Islam around the world. And their ears are listening, and they're they're just t- attentively wondering what is this thing that comes out of the scripture. Well, this international church thing isn't just about those that attend a particular service, but in Indonesia, where we were for a long time, there were in excess of over 20 mission denominations that were there. And after a couple of years, when we all started to get to know each other very well and trust one another, and we put our heads together and our prayers together and our finances together... We started working together, and there was so much more of an impact when we worked together in unity. I'm happy, fast forward to say, 20 years later, that that effort has now produced a people movement on the island of Java, 100 million people, that is producing 350 baptisms every month. It's underground. Nobody knows about it. If you went to the internet, you can't find it, but it is the church. It's the church of Jesus Christ, and it's moving on, and in part because of this thing called the International Church. When we were there in Indonesia, I traveled to an oil island. You know, there are places on the planet where there's oil, and all the oil companies will collect, and... and uh, There was a couple there that we met and Debbie and I began to disciple and they got so excited about this thing called the International Church and they really started leaning into Jesus and learning about the scriptures. Why, the oil company then moved them from the small oil island of Balakpapan to the huge mega city of Bangkok, Thailand and they took with them all that they'd learned in Indonesia into Bangkok. 25 years later, the ministry that they started called Night Life, rescuing trafficked women on the streets of Bangkok, is still in existence. It's a charitable organization. CNN have vi- has visited, interviewed that ministry because women are being spared and brought off of that life of pain and agony because of the international church. God's doing some great things around the world. One more story, and I want to dive into the scriptures and tell you, it's not about only something that's current, but the international church actually comes right out of the Bible. In Kuwait, what we call in mission circles a limited-access nation, that simply means you can't be sent over there by a mission agency, an organization, or a denomination. There was a Filipina that was brought from the Philippines to a Kuwaiti family. In fact, in Kuwait and some of the Gulf countries, there are ratios like this. Three expatriates to every one Kuwaiti citizen. Imagine that. Imagine if we had three expatriates to every one Canadian in Canada. We'd have, we'd have well over 150 million people in our country. But that's what Kuwait's like. The Filipina came over because she wanted to work in a Kuwaiti home and send money back to her family, and she came over there, and after several months of working seven days a week, why, the family finally gave them a day off, and she found her way into the international church where we pastored long before we had come, gave her life to Christ, was discipled there, and began to grow her heart and and began to love the children that she was entrusted to more than just a job. She began teaching them hygiene and how to, how to uh, you know, do their homework at school. And the Kuwaiti, the Kuwaiti mother and father began to love her so much that the day she died, 27 years later, and we did the funeral, that the entire family came to church. Now, imagine what church looked like that day. With the Kuwaitis coming with all their long dish dashes and those little round things they put on their head and the women that were covered, but all he could see was their eyes. But they listened and they heard. And because of the testimony of this woman for 27 years, at the end of the service, when I stood at the the back of the service and the other pastors were a part of it, also heard, both the men and the women walked out, the Arab Kuwaitis, and said, I've met Jesus. I know Isa Al-Masih. I know the God that the Filipinos served. Friends, there is no mission agency, no denomination, not even Roblin Wesleyan could pull that kind of love off for an Arab family in the middle of the Gulf states. This is God's engineering. This is God's plan to make disciples of all nations through something called the International Church. Once more, it's a group of multinational, multi-denominational people from nations all over the world meeting to worship God, to learn about God, to tell others about God. Now let's read it, where it's found in the Scriptures. Can you believe it? Acts chapter 13. Would you put it on the screen for us? Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manihan, the childhood companion of King Antipas and Saul. Often we would refer to this church as the Church of Antioch. Could I suggest to you today that actually this is the first international church? Have a quick look at the characters. Barnabas, described earlier as a man of grace, full of the Holy Spirit, a spiritual giant. Simeon a different colored man. He's described that way right in the text. Lucius, that's a Greek name. From Cyrene, Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod. It's the one and only time he's ever mentioned in Scripture. And not Paul, but Saul. What a motley crew, an interesting collection of people. Well, here's what the rest of the Scripture says in this story. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Do you know that this is the first of four missionary journeys that not Saul, but Paul, eventually began, began his, uh, his missionary journeys and his treks around the world to carry the hope of the gospel to all of these cities. It happened in the context of an international church. There are, from this text, three different kinds of churches. I'd like to call them the fellowship church, the evangelistic church, and the missional church. Certainly here in Roblin, there's lots of fellowship. We heard about it. All the meetings that are going to be postponed, not canceled, just postponed. And you have lots of fellowship here. I mean, I can tell because you've had to be instructed not to shake hands. And you love each other. Well, that's a quick overview of what fellowship is, but church should be a place of love and kindness and acceptance and, and welcome. And um, quite frankly, there's lots of fellowship churches, but there are fewer evangelistic churches, and thank God that Roblin is one of those churches as well. You've been thinking outside your uh, walls and planted another church with your resources, with your pastor, with your prayer, with your planning. And then there's this thing called the missional church, this church that—a church that thinks about crossing geographical lines, crossing linguistic lines, going far distances— and I would suggest to you today that would be the international church that's all around the globe, somewhere around 2,000 plus plus. Some of them are just starting, some of them are starting, some of them are medium, some of them are small, or, or, or large, and even larger, kind of like that. But they're all over the place. And the scripture here encourages us to move from fellowship, to evangelism, to to a missional mindset. Let me explain this. The mother church at this time in Jerusalem was actually wondering what is going on in that place called Antioch, 400 kilometers north. What is going on? Because all the Jews were gathered in the church in Jerusalem, and that was okay, and they were having fellowship, and they were learning about, you know, Jesus who had already come, died, buried, resurrected, and ascended. But they're all Jews all in one place. But what was happening in Antioch was the combination of Jews and Gentiles, and this was scandalous. It was scandalous. So they sent this spiritual giant, Barnabas, with his apprentice, Saul, up to check it out. Well, what was happening in Antioch was both Jews and Gentiles were meeting together. And they were really the first church that began doing what Jesus said, making disciples of all nations, like we sang. Jesus, the hope of all nations. But not only that, they got the Jews and the Gentiles together, and then they said, hey, this isn't good enough. We've got to make an investment in the rest of the world. So they fasted, prayed, prayed, and sent out Barnabas and Saul later to become Paul. Wow. To me, that story is inspiring, and God is still doing this today. He's doing it in those startups, the small, medium, large, and mega-sized international churches around the world. He is putting these churches at the intersections of a globalized world, because of his love for lost people. Debbie and I are delighted to go on, after God's moved us out of Indonesia, out of Kuwait, to Paris. I want to tell you a little bit about Paris. Then I've got some slides to share with you here about MICN. In Paris, there's a church of over 2,000, and it's a French-speaking international church. And uh, think with me. Over the last few years, you know about all the refugees that have come from the Middle East. And so Paris is filled with Syrians and all kinds of people from the Gulf countries. Since we've had some experience there, they kind of found us, and there's a group of people within this 2,000-numbered French-speaking international church that have said, Pastor Yvonne, that's his name, we love the church, we love the service, we love everything about it, but we speak English better than French. How about an English church? So they found us, and we found them, and we're going to go. We were headed there uh, for July to kind of land and and begin to plant, but uh, in a conversation with Yvonne this week, uh, Paris has been hit unusually hard with the the whole COVID-19 virus, and so we're going to delay our departure until September or October. And you know, uh, that's just okay. Uh, God's timing is always the best timing. Amen? Often it doesn't take, uh, or often I would confess to you that sometimes I'm not as quick to say amen to that as you have been. And I prefer to run life on my time schedule, on my agenda. But we have, as Debbie's been said, uh, as shared singing, you know, we've just been giving this to God, so, so we're delaying our departure, but we're going to head out there, and uh, several very unique things about this church and the reason we've chosen it are, uh, I won't start numbering them, but I'll just give you a number, of, a number of reasons. Number one, we are going to be co-vocational. That is, Debbie will required, be required to do her artwork, she will get an art visa in Paris. Now, doesn't that fit nice for an artist, eh? I will get a clergy visa so I can continue my international church work globally around around the world. We will be meeting not in a church building, but in a community center. How about that? Listen to this. Fridays, the Muslims get the center. Saturdays, the Jews get the center. Sundays, the Christians get the center. It's a large one. An auditorium of 1,500 people. There's restaurants on the fourth floor, restaurants where the Muslims can eat at one and the Jews at the other, and the Christians, they'll have theirs. They're not as picky about hal-hal food and all that kind of thing. And um, so we'll be just mixing it up with all of those kinds of different nationalities and religions, Uh, obviously with an open door to the services that will be offered on Sundays. The French ones in the morning and the English ones in the afternoon that Debbie and I will be a part of. The building's under construction, and and uh, the whole of the international church there is required by their own policies to work co-vocationally. So there are government workers. There's a banker. There's a teacher, and all of them work out there in the workaday world. But they also serve as pastors on this church staff, even the head pastor. His job, can you imagine, has been given to him by the French government, who has said, the government has said, we don't know of another group that has been so welcoming to foreigners, so helpful in times of turmoil. So we want this church and this leader to be the CEO of the whole community center. Isn't that the favor of God. So we're delighted to join Yvonne, and uh, we're oh, a good 20 years older than he is. He's an exceptional young leader. Okay, so you're wondering, he's 37. Yeah, we're 57, and we're looking forward to heading there probably September or something like that. Now, when we did the our first international church in um, Oh, let's just flick back through these slides. When we did the first international church, we, we began uh, an organization that is a charitable organization here in Canada and the States, and it's called the Missional International Church Network. And what we do is, go ahead, Chris, we do, this is it. This is our vision statement. After 17 years, we kind of figured this out. We start and we strengthen international churches globally. We do that through, uh, through our, our website. We do it through meetings around the world. We do it through an annual conference. We do it through writing, through all kinds of different ways. These are the values of our organization. We uh, collaborate together in a big way. You have to. You have to in order to work with different denominations, with different distinctives, holding the essentials high and letting some of the distinctives of each denomination, just kind of settle in different places. Biblical holism is a big part, another val- value that we own very, uh, very um, well, well, tightly, I guess, is, is a way we would say it. Healthy leadership. You know, when you live overseas, and if, if your problem is this big over here, and you go overseas, because of the pressures and travel and additional kinds of heat, your problem this big becomes this big. So we really work on what it means to be healthy in leadership. We are, the light bulb, insatiable learners, always wanting to learn from one another. An international church in Hanoi, Vietnam, a communist country, is very different than Jakarta, Indonesia, a Muslim country, that's very different from Vienna, Austria, a postmodern country. So when we get together at our conferences, we share what's working, what are the best practices, how can we make this work? We listen to multicultural voices. Do you know that Canadians, globally, globally, we're just nice people? Did you know that? Well, pat yourself on the back. We say sorry a lot, too, and they know that out there. But we're just known as nice people, so international pastors that are Canadian really kind of have a, a, a bit of an advantage right away. But uh, that, that niceness or, or uh, kindness is, is very different when you're talking to someone, well, a Dutch person, for example, or a German person, or an Asian person. You have to learn how to listen, and sometimes uh, words mean different things in different cultures or from different backgrounds, so we work hard at that. And then obviously, just like Acts, Acts chapter 13 we want to be led by prayer and fasting, spirit-led ministries. Next. Thanks, Chris. So here's what we do. The International Church, IC Equip, we connect, we resource and care. These little teardrops are international churches all over the world, and you'll notice that there's some even in North America. Some of them in, in these cities where, uh, you know, are globalized here in the Western world. Some of these pastors have said, no one understands us no one understands me like MICN uh, because I have a board of, you know, seven different nationalities where, and there's only eight people. So we uh, do our best. And you will notice most of the teardrops are in, are in uh, Asia where we, we began. And, uh, and so that's kind of understandable. It's also the largest population in the world. Next. Here's our conference for... Uh, Set for Bangkok in just four weeks, to Timbuktu and beyond. Anybody heard of Brian Stiller? Brian Stiller is a Canadian. He's the gentleman that moved Tyndale Bible College and Seminary to the present-day facility on Bayview Avenue in Toronto there. Anyway, he's one of our speakers, and Melba Magai. Not really sure how this is going to work yet. There's lots of conversation. Will this even be able to happen? And uh, very likely... Uh, it probably will be delayed at some point in time because of what's going on globally. Next. Here's the International Church Exchange where we do workshops, forums, and roundtable talks, getting leaders together and talking about, look, how does this really work when the International Church is at the intersection of people colliding all over the world in the larger cities? How can we collect them? And what is working? So papers are written. For example, the profile of an international pastor. Could you imagine with me, Pastor Bert? These kinds of leaders have to have all of the skills that you need and your staff needs in addition to all of the skills and callings that a missionary has. And those kinds of skills and giftings combine to make a kind of hybrid person to be able to cope with a congregation of multiple denominations and people from every nation. So that's what the workshops, forums, and roundtables are all about. Next. And then we initiate, facilitate, and accelerate international church startups, and that's what Paris is about. Debbie and I are at a place in in our lives where our kids are growing up, they're following the Lord. Our eldest is married to a pastor in Chatham. Our second is a pastor in downtown Toronto, and our third is an RCMP officer out in British Columbia. So they're all, you know, thank the Lord, making a contribution to society, and we don't pay for them anymore. Have any of you got to that place in life? It's a great, yeah, there's a a one of those, right, yeah. So we're at a place in our lives where we want to uh, contribute, we want to model what it's about, starting up churches and... um, and can I just say this, too? We also are at a place in our lives where we don't need to be the main leader all, all the time. Uh, the church we ran in, in Kuwait was very large, and so I'm, I'm going to come underneath uh, a, an exceptional leader and do everything I can to empower him, to help him to continue to lead this mega church. because of some of our experience, and we're going to start an English-speaking church in Can I say it this way? Submission to the French. Submission to the French, because the English language has been predominant around the world, but what God is doing in the 21st century is exactly what he was doing in the 1st century. These international churches are all around the globe, and even as Late as 15 years ago, they were mostly English-speaking. But now, the church has kind of moved from English to other languages. And so we're delighted to go and say, you know, the the West is not the best. How many of you know that? And the global South and what's happening around the globe, uh, missions emerging from South America from other languages around the world is, uh, is the predominant force now in missions work around the world. Next one. So I, I just want to leave with you a, a brief challenge. Uh, we've we've uh, prepared some prayer sheets for us here, or for you, that just kind of outline some uh, things that you could pray for us, our family, separation, transition, adjustments, wisdom. We need to create a strong church foundation community. Uh, we need relationships. We need uh, the, the uh, French in- international church there and the English one to be able to work together. Uh, could you imagine we need favor? Favor from the French government. We have no idea how visas are going to come now given the present geopolitical situations around the globe. And uh, lastly, would you pray for us for pre-Christian contexts? We want divine context to be able to meet people and talk to them about why they're in Paris I mean, we know why they're in Paris. God's put them there because He wants an intersection, and He's going to put us there to be part of that uh, hope-giving message to those people. And, uh, so, and we're, all, we're raising funds to make this happen. This is not an invitation in France that is supplied with a salary. We are partners coming along. And the idea is like this. Watch this. We'll raise a lot of money here in Canada to get ourselves started, diminishing over the next five years. At the same time, when we start the church... They'll begin giving, and over those five years, they'll be giving so that we're planning that around the five-year mark we'll be paid 100% in euros instead of Canadian or U.S. dollars. So thanks for this opportunity to come and share with you today. Um, I I hope that as you continue to plan and move forward that uh, your church will continue fellowship and that you'll continue doing this evangelistic work, and that as you continue to grow uh, quantitatively and quality, you know, from a quality perspective, that you will continue to invest or think about what it means to become more and more missional as the world gets global Um, and take advantage of all that God is offering in terms of of what, what is available to us right now during this present context And how all of us are having to rethink and wonder where is the avenue for us to move forward as individuals with our pre-Christian people around that may need groceries or a gift of toilet paper, I don't know. But an expression of love that simply says, I'm Jesus' light and salt to you and I just want to share the peace of Christ with you. And how you figure that out as a church, too, with what's going on at a global level. Lord, bless you. Lord, keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Thank you.